Hello, this is the Game Podcast from The Times, and I'm Natalie Sawyer. It is a warm welcome back to me old mucker, Gregor Robertson. Gregor, how are you? How was your break? I'm very well, Nat, thank you. Uh, oh, it was brilliant, yeah. Back from a couple of weeks of glorious sunshine in the Highlands, and not even saying that with any hint of irony. Uh, no, no rain was, at all. No, it was oh. absolutely glorious, yeah. Um, did I think of the North Coast 500 where you... It begins in Inverness, and you drive around the kind of coastal route of of northern Scotland, and it was stunning. Yeah, absolutely brilliant, Ooh, beautiful. That sounds lovely. Do you have to do it in a particular amount of time, or you can just take it leisurely? <laughs> uh, well, you can. There's people. Some people do it in uh, very quick time. There's people hire like vintage cars. There was one point there was two Maseratis, a Ferrari, and a, oh. and a Porsche 911 behind me trying to overtake my little mini. So, uh, oh. <laughs> but uh, no, we we. We drove kind of half of it and then stopped for five days uh, in a wee cottage and then did the rest on the way back. So, beautiful. Sounds lovely. It's good to be well, back, though. It is good to have you back, Gregor. And joining us today, it is Tom Roddy. Tom, how have you been keeping? I'm good, thank you. Very well, thanks, Nat. We we missed we missed Gregor last week, didn't we? I had Northern Tom tearing into me for my England thing. So, I'm very that. pleased to have Gregor back. <laughs> <laughs> That's not to say that Gregor wouldn't have ripped into your team, though, Tom. Yeah, he probably would have done, yeah. <laughs> I heard that. Yeah, you weren't too sure of your team selection, Tom. Oh, maybe, maybe I'm going to withdraw my fame. <laughs> yeah. Well, there were there were questions asked, weren't they? And there was a lack of confidence in the manager, that's for sure, after the way he began by saying, I'm not really sure about this one. But there you go. Uh, we have got plenty coming up. England stars in hot water and more hot prospects heading to the Premier League. But first, what is going on at West Ham? Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. The West Ham captain, Mark Noble, says he is angry after the club sold Grady Dean Garner to West Brom for £18 million. The winger had been with the Hammers since the age of 12 and spent last season on loan at the Hawthorns, helping them clinch promotion to the Premier League with eight goals and six assists. Having made 21 first-team appearances in his West Ham career, he was welcomed back to the club this season, with him widely expected to be part of David Moyes' first-team plans. However, his departure to West Brom has been swift and has brought a backlash from West Ham's players, most notably their captain, Mark Noble, who took to Twitter to vent his frustrations. As captain of this football club, I'm gutted, angry and sad that Grady has left. Great kid with a great future, tweeted Noble. 
The skipper's post was liked by teammate Declan Rice, while defender Arthur Masuaku replied with a broken heart emoji before midfielder Jack Wilshire took to Instagram. Go and do your thing at a club that respects you. Big player with a big future, wrote Wilshire on Instagram. Oh, we've talked about West Ham before, but we have to ask the question, Gregor, what on earth is going on at the club? It just seems like another massive own goal that was quite quite easily avoidable. Obviously, the players are really fond of him, really impressed with him in, in pre-season, and everyone was very impressed with him at, at West Brom last year. I saw him a few times, and he's played a huge potential. Um, mm. And I think, you know, it obviously just reflects the kind of the toxic atmosphere at, at West Ham. It's one thing you've got to say is, you know, there's not many players who would feel quite as secure as Mark Noble uh, to come out and criticise their employer like that. You know, obviously he's been there. Yeah, he's an academy graduate himself. He's been there two decades or something and huge figure at the club. So and it was still very bold of him to do that. So, you know, that's that's one that's one side of it. But also it undoubtedly reflects the, the state of West Ham. I mean, as I say, he's been there, Noble's been there that long and he's seen the same mistakes being made over and over. The kind of, you know, I think uh, David Moyes described it as boom and bust in the Sunday Times interview with Johnny Northcroft at uh, the weekend. And he's probably sick of it. And you see somebody with real potential come through from the academy, potential to kind of connect with the fans and a bit of a disenfranchised fan base. And he's been sold for, uh, well, it what might turn out to look like peanuts, but who knows. And either way, it seems that it just sort of shines a light on the, the their need to do this, their need to raise money. To kind mm. of because they can't get rid of so many high earners and players that have spent huge amounts of money on. They've had to sell uh, somebody from the academy to to fund the improvements that they need, and particularly in defence now. So, mm. I mean, that was the suggestion, Tom, that they were hoping to to offload some of the more senior players who aren't necessarily going to be a part of David Moyes' plans going forward. That wasn't to be, so they had to sell somebody, and it was unfortunately for for West Ham fans, it was Dean Garner. Yeah, I think the interesting thing is that the the figure sort of being touted around is is 18 million, which sort of it, it began at 12 million, which I can imagine would infuriate West Ham fans, especially who'd been watching him at West Brom last year. But but that's also half of the amount that they paid for Felipe Anderson, um, 36 mm. million pounds for him. And of course, I'm sh- I'm pretty certain they would have West Ham would have rather get rid of him, but they just they can't recoup the money and what we're seeing is is um, a, a club that's trying to remedy the, the mistakes of the past couple of years I mean £200 million was spent under Manuel, Manuel Pellegrini and, and I think his pockets were filled as well at the same time as uh, while he was there um, and he was seen as the man who was going to take them to the next level you know they were talking about Champions League football and there really was a couple of years ago it felt like there was an opportunity for a team to break into the top six West Ham with all the money and the players they were bringing in were were seen as being that club Gregor you mentioned it already about his performances for West Brom last season and maybe it's difficult to predict because we never know what's going to happen with a player but how much potential do you think there is in in Dean Garner and have West Ham let go someone that could be a head turner in a few years time if not sooner. Well, I mean, obviously he's he's pretty much un, unproven in, in the Premier League. But when someone uh, is kind of so head, you know, head and shoulders above the rest in the Championship, um, 
And as I say, has that the, the fact that he's come out of the academy, that's someone that instantly the, the fans are going to warm to. Um, and it's, it's a no-brainer to keep a hold of him. But he's, he's undoubtedly hugely talented. I mean, he's, some of the some of his kind of showreel of goals and and he's a nightmare to play against. I would, I would hate to play against him. He's so tricky. And there was one little clip I saw on social media where he kind of controlled the ball in the touchline. And I did a few headers as the <laughs> keeping it up as the fullback closed him down and flicked over his head and ran down the line. He's he was electric for West Brom, and that was in his season when he had I think he had an injured hamstring as well for a good part of the second half of the season. And he's still involved in something like fifteen goals. So yeah, look, he undoubtedly deserved a chance to play this year. But as I said, it's just the fact that they feel they have to do this. I think there's probably something in that they're two, you know, two of the saleable assets they seem to have. To have now are, are are him and Declan Rice, and uh, you know if they if they sold Declan Rice, there would be mutiny. So they probably have looked at the two th- the the their two saleable assets and thought we need to sell one if we need if we're going to balance up the squad. Well, I think they're going to lose something like seventy five percent of their their income this year because there's no fans coming through the gate. So you know all clubs are in difficult situations, but at the same time. The fact that they have to do this after handing Pellegrini something like two hundred million pounds to spend and it being done so badly, uh, it's just sort of a, a pretty damning indictment on the the running of the football club. What do we make of what Noble did on Twitter? What uh, Wilshire posted on Instagram, and the fact that other players either liked it or contributed in some ways. Tom, are, are players right to do that, or should they sometimes just shut up shop when then their wages are being paid by the owners at the end of the day? Yeah, well, exactly. I mean, as a as a, as a journalist, uh, absolutely, we want to hear what they what they really think. Um, but what because what is said publicly can often be sort of towing the party line and and you understand it to an extent because they're they're paid very well and they're 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 short careers um but we appreciate honesty and we want to see this kind of this kind of thing um it's it's just a fascinating case because especially because of the way in which it was it was worded the, the kind of respect element and i just wonder whether someone like Mark Noble, who's got a real legacy at that football club. And uh, I, I think he was really nervous about last season, the pro- prospects of going down and then being part of a side that went down towards the end of his career and sort of being painted with the same brush as, as the West Ham owners. I think in a way what he's doing is, is distancing himself from, from them um, I think he's he's pushing himself towards the West Ham fans, and I think you see the, the other players, Wilshire and Co. They they feel enabled by their captain, the Mr. West Ham, going public with it. They feel enabled to to join in. Gregor, as a former player, we have to come to you on it, don't we? Sometimes we have to bring up that you used to play the game. What did you make of the player reactions? And have you ever felt of doing something similar yourself, but haven't, or have you? No, I mean, I very really spoke about football <laughs> when I played. I thought that was the wisest uh, avenue. But you have to say, Noble doesn't. I look, you know, I looked at his Twitter account. And I, I think he tweeted once in the past two months. And very rarely is it about, you know, it's usually it'd be supporting a local cause or something like that. He's not someone who's a voracious tweeter or who, you know, does the old cliches about onto the next one, lads, or, you know, the, the fans were great mm. today, that kind of stuff. He doesn't do this. So he's obviously been very angered. And he used the word anger. You know, that, it wasn't just, you know, you could be 
players often say it's sad to see a teammate leave or, you know, I'm gutted to see a, a friend leave or something like that. But he said he was angry about the sale of this player. Uh, and clearly, I think he's probably got the support of, of the dressing room. So Tom's right. They are really distancing themselves slightly from from the ownership. And it's just intriguing to know whether, you know, how much David Moyes... It's hard to see whether he, how he could not have signed this off. You know, there's different reports now. Um, but he, know, you know, he knows he has to... to to make some improvements to his team, particularly in defence, and I think they've gone for Tarkovsky now at, at, at Burnley. So, you know, he, he probably had, was left with that. Doesn't I think that th- those are those are the two most saleable assets, uh, Rice and and uh, Diangana. So it had to be one of them. And if it was Rice, I mean, I think there would, have, as I say, there would have been even far more of a of a fuss kicked up than this. Well, brace yourselves. You never know. He could still go. Know, that's that's the problem. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but Dean Garner, of course, had featured heavily in West Ham's preseason social media with images of him on the training pitch paired with fire emojis over his return whilst he had played in their preseason friendlies. A statement from the club said the decision to sell Dean Garner was made reluctantly, but ultimately in the best interests of the club. The money received for Grady will be reinvested entirely in the team in line with the manager's targets, it added. We believe believe that this will give us the best possible chance of ensuring we have a balanced squad to compete in the Premier League and capable of reaching our objectives and ambitions this season it finished with. Now, as you can imagine, the decision hasn't gone down well with West Ham fans within hours of Dean Garner's sale. GSB Out was trending on Twitter, referring to the club's co-owners, David Gold and David Sullivan, as well as CEO Karen Brady. Are the West Ham fans right to be so angry? Or, Tom, are they just simply too quick to complain? Have they they hadn't really seen the bigger picture in all of this, perhaps? Uh, yeah, perhaps. I just, I just think it's one of those things where it's such a fractured relationship with the owners that any, any small sense of frustration is going to be quickly amplified. And, and of course, we know what's we know what social media is like for people jumping on and, and leaping on sort of a bandwagon. But I think there there is, even away from social media, there is huge frustration at West Ham, and which stems back as far as the, the change of stadium, the leaving of Upton Park. Um, and I think, you know, we, we I, I think there's a feeling that there's so much potential at West Ham that's untapped and... Even the way in which they tried to go to for it with two hundred million spent, it failed. It was it was kind of wasted, and now they're having to remedy it all by selling players like Dean Garner, who, to me, like Gregor said, he's not sort of proven in the Premier League yet. Uh, but it still feels like. Not a huge fee. It doesn't feel like a fee that's too too good to turn down. Mm. And I just think it's 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 a relationship with fans that feels it's so ugly that it, it just feels irreparable now. Mm. I mean, that is the issue, isn't it, Gregor? Because within that statement, as I just read out, they said that the money that they receive for Grady will be reinvested entirely in the team, but. 20 million isn't really going to get you much if you want to compete at the top end of the Premier League. They are, there is talk of West Ham reinvesting that money in, in Brentford's side, Ben Rama. But, you know, he's likewise with Dean Garner, 
unproven when it comes to the Premier League. So do the fa- Hammers fans have every right to be upset in this situation? Yeah, look, the, they've got Philippe Anderson, Lanzini. I think you could probably put Yarmolenko in that, even though he's had injury troubles. Uh, Jack Wilshire. These are guys who are earning big, big money and they've, they really haven't done much for 12 sometimes longer, 12 months sometimes longer. Um, and you look at who would be competing for a place with. You know, Michael Antonio was brilliant last season, but he, he looks like he could be playing as a centre forward now. Jared Bowen has been a good signing, but he's definitely someone who should who could have been in like a, a key figure for West Ham potentially next season. And it's just it's what you know they, they sell the, they sell the player, and it's what they do with the money too. There's no confidence in what they're going to be doing with the money. Mm-hmm. If Moyes has, Moyes has made some decent signings, as I say, Bowen, uh, and and I think. I saw a tweet actually uh, a couple of days ago by a bit of a tangent here, but by a Nottingham Forest fan, and they were t- Matty Cash had just been sold the right back to mm. Aston Villa, and he was highlighting the, some of the players in the last few years who've gone, like Oliver Burke to RB Leipzig for 13 million, Arvin Apaya, a kid who barely played, went was sold for 8 million, uh, Ben Brereton was sold to Blackburn, Ben Osmond was out of Sheffield United, so he's highlighting. They raised about fifty million pounds in the last few years, and it's an outstanding achievement. But what they've done with it has been nothing short of shambolic. They spent, you know, they spent the money on a raft of signings, most of which have flattered to deceive. And so that's the thing: when you sign, it's okay to sign a to sign a, a, an academy graduate if you think it's part of a bigger plan. But I'm, there's no confidence in that bigger plan, um, and that's really, I think, probably at the heart of West Ham unit. You know. As we're saying, he's not someone who West Ham fans have seen do a great deal for West Ham. They've saw what he, seen what he did for, for West Brom last season, but it's really just it's kind of proof of the, the kind of lack of trust in the in the direction of the club under under the current ownership. And of course, that lack of trust, Tom, as you alluded to a little bit earlier on, will come from the fact that they. West Ham fans were forced out of their home, Upton Park. None of them, not many of them wanted to leave, of course. They were taken to the London Stadium, which has never really felt like home for a lot of fans. Promised Champions League or European football. That's never happened. It seems as though there's just been issues upon issues upon issues. Can that relationship between the fans and the owners ever be repaired, do you think? It feels irreparable now. You know, it's, it's, it's kind of too far down the road for West Ham and the owners. Um, I think the the thing in football is that you get results change the mood of a club. The question is then, should West Ham fans be worried about relegation this season? Much of their frustration stems, as we've already talked about, that sale of Upton Park and that move to the London Stadium. In September 2016, David Gold tweeted this, there's absolutely no reason why we can't be playing in the Champions League within the next five years. But that doesn't look like that's going to happen anytime soon. A top four finish has been a long way off since their move to the London Stadium. In fact, if we go back to, what, let's go 16-17 then, when they moved to that new stadium, they were 11th. 17-18, 13th, Slavon Bilic was sacked, replaced by David Moyes. 18-19, they finished top half of the table in 10th, but Moyes was replaced by Manuel Pellegrini. He didn't fare any better. They finished 16th in 19-20, in a season where Pellegrini was sacked and David Moyes was reinstated. Could the unrest at this club affect their form on the pitch, Gregor. We've already mentioned all these players who are unhappy with 
Dean Garner's sale, and it just seems to be one thing after another now at West Ham. Yeah, although the one kind of <laughs> strange to say it, the fact that there won't be any fans inside the stadium might prove to be uh, yeah. a bonus for them in the short term anyway, because we've seen how kind of, uh, as, as I've said, how toxic the atmosphere has been there when supporters invading the pitch and whatnot, and again, Mark Noble getting involved in that. So, um, yeah, look, I think I think it, the what we're seeing is that there is a divide between the owners and the rest, every other stakeholder in the football club. That's basically what we've seen evidence of here. Whether that be in the change in the changing room, uh, who knows how how David Moyes is going to react to this, and whether you know how much he he signed off on it and whatnot. Uh, and clearly, the fans are you know there's talk on social media them arranging protests. It's just, it just does seem extraordinary when, as I said, a guy who made made some like ten appearances for the club, and uh, he, he, he's playing on loan in the Championship last season. Uh, that his sale has kind of sparked this. That's why it's kind of like lighting the torch paper. It's already there. All this unrest was, as we've discussed, was already there. This is just kind of another sort of another further evidence of the the distrust and the fracture in the relationship between them. What about this situation with David Moyes then, Tom? Let me ask you, because it, it seemed as though Dean Garner was, was going to be a part of his plans. He'd sort of mentioned that in, in this pre-season. Do you think he could walk away from the club? No, no, I don't <laughs> think he would. <laughs> um, but first of all, for him personally, I think it, it's such a tough job. But I think he's still a man with a point to prove, um, a manager with a point to prove. Uh, one of the fascinating uh, points that Johnny highlighted in that interview with him in the Sunday Times yesterday was that he's not survived a summer at a club, I think, since being at Everton, which was, what, seven years ago now, which is quite incredible for a manager of his sort of standing. Um, but I think there will be, uh, with all of Moyes' sort of optimism, there, w- there will surely be a nervousness around that club. Because if you look at their start to the season, they've got Newcastle, then they've got Arsenal, Wolves, Leicester, Tottenham, Man City and Liverpool. And it just goes to show how important that Newcastle game is. Certainly is. And and when you consider how West Ham got on last season, Gregor, it was only late on that they secured their Premier League status. Many were tipping perhaps even West Ham to go down. Do you think they could go down this season? Bear in mind everything that's happening. I think a lot will depend on how uh, how they improve their, their defence, essentially. Because, you know, I don't think they've kept a clean sheet in pre-season. Uh, conceded five against Bournemouth, as we said in the in the preseason friendly. They need to they need to make some signings at the back. Um, and look, it was a, it was a good interview that on the Sunday Times because, as Moyes, Moyes said, I think West Ham is the he, he argued that West Ham is the club in the Premier League with the most untapped potential, and that's probably true. You know, they got a huge fan base. Um, being in London, as whether people like it or not, that's a that's a kind of plus point for for clubs these days in the Premier League. And Moyes is someone who I you know I think he deserves a chance actually now um, to to kind of implement his ideas and to build a, a squad and to have a bit more of a say in all of that all of those things. It's just whether this is evidence that he's not going to have a say or whether he's seen it as a pretty kind of pragmatic, cold decision where. I have, you know, I have to sell 
to be able to sign a decent centre half, and he's he's basically sacrificed an academy academy player. If it comes out that that's true, then obviously his standing with the fans might drop a little bit too. Mm. Tom, let's get your view on this finally. Then, do you think they are in danger of going down? as the way things stand. I just I just worry about sort of the the mood really. As I say, I just think that that start to the season is is an absolute nightmare. And if you've yeah. got the players, if you've got the players already in, I, I think there's a, there's a real toxic mood there at the moment already, and a mm. ball's not been kicked. Yeah. Um, and so uh, I think the next the next week or so, even before the season, you know, the, the transfer window doesn't close until October. But by then, they could already be in a bit of trouble. And of course, you're not you're not necessarily talking about being relegated in in October, but uh, especially in a delayed season. But with those games and and with the mood of the club and with results just drifting and and those fixtures in a row, they could be in real trouble. Um, I think they've got the good a, a good man in charge though to to kind of deal with it. I think he did such a good job towards the end of end of last year and got the the best out of that team that he could. Um, so I think he'll do a good job. Hey folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF podcast and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this Allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together. JD Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in store. And now save fifty percent on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For JD Power twenty twenty three award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The Premier League is back this weekend, but there's still time for clubs to get their transfer business done. This summer's transfer window started on the 27th of July and is open for 10 weeks, ending on the 5th of October. A domestic-only window, during which Premier League clubs can only trade with those in the EFL, will run from the 5th to the 16th of October. But one deal that is done is striker Callum Wilson, who has completed his move from Bournemouth to Newcastle on a four-year deal worth around £20 million. 
The 28-year-old, who has four England caps, made 184 appearances for the Cherries and scored 67 goals. Aston Villa were also reportedly interested in Wilson, but withdrew a higher bid of £21 million, with the striker preferring a move to Newcastle. Wilson is Steve Bruce's third summer signing since the collapse of the proposed takeover of the club in July. He follows midfielder Jeff Hendrick and goalkeeper Mark Gillespie's arrival at St. James's Park on free transfers. £20 million for Callum Wilson. Gregor, is that a good deal for Newcastle? I think so. I think, um, you know, there are, there are definitely pros and cons. If, if you look at his goal-scoring record, uh, 14 goals is his is his most in the Premier League in in 2018-2019. He's had two, I think, two serious knee injuries. Mm, yeah. Um, 28. You'd think he's a pretty good age, and you know, as we say, he was a, a an England an England player uh, not so long ago, and there were teams like Chelsea looking at him. So he's he's also coming off the back of a of a really poor season by his standards, and. You know, I think he probably has a bit of a point to prove, and it's a it's a big move for him. He's not someone who's shy of confidence. Um, so, look, about twenty million for him, I think, in the current climate and the and and the market, I think it's still very good business for Newcastle, despite those kind of those little hesitations you might have had. Mm. Well, Callum Wilson might have a familiar face joining him at St. James's as his old Bournemouth teammate and now free agent Ryan Fraser nears a move to Steve Bruce's side. Scotland international Fraser left the Cherries in June after turning down the offer of a new contract, a decision highly criticised by many who believe he should have stuck with Bournemouth in their battle to beat the drop in the Premier League. Tom, does Ryan Fraser have a reputation to rebuild then? It was pretty ugly, wasn't it? Uh, the way it ended there. You know, Bournemouth, Bournemouth and Eddie Howe needed everyone on side and and Eddie Howe basically made it clear that, that Ryan Fraser didn't want to play because he knew that he was going to be leaving. He wanted um, a, a bigger, better club and he didn't want to jeopardise that in case of being injured. Um, so it, was, it, was, it wasn't the... the best way to go down. I think it has damaged his reputation as a as a as a as a player probably from a even from a club's perspective. But I think we still know what a what a good talent he is. And if I was a Newcastle fan, the thought of him at his best coming in, uh, playing alongside St Maximum and with Callum Wilson up front, as Gregor said, he he has a point to prove as well. Um, I think that would excite me. It would really excite me because mm. it, there's there's Newcastle had a real chronic issue of of up front last season, and they have done for a, for a while now. Um, and getting that supply and, and having a striker like Callum Wilson to to score the goals um, will will be will be crucial. What about this refusal to sign a contract, Gregor? I know we spoke about it before, and I, I'm pretty sure you were on the side of the player when we uh, did speak about this before. But, yeah. <laughs> but will that refusal to sign another contract at Bournemouth be held against him? Will, will football hold it against him? Because let's think back to Ryan Fraser initially. There was talk of him at one stage linked to Arsenal. That move hasn't happened. Not to discredit Newcastle, but is that the level that he was expecting to move to? No, I suppose well, it'd be hard to know whether the fact that he's done this is something that clubs have been put off by. I would suggest not. I think 
maybe you know there's maybe he's had some interest and then it's not materialised. Perhaps COVID has played a part in that. Whether you know have finances have been straightened. But it has been interesting, you know, reading about he's been offered, well, obviously, he's been offered to every Premier League club out there. <laughs> and Crystal Palace, I think, made a concrete offer. Uh, and Newcastle, so, yeah, I, I thought he could have potentially gone to to a club slightly slightly loftier ambitions. But um, at the same time, he's the, he's the same as, as Wilson. They both have had poor seasons by their standards, you know. Mm. Um a couple of seasons ago, Fraser, I think he got seven seven goals and fourteen assists. Remember, he raced out of the blocks and and he was on absolute fire. And they, those two players as well—that's another thing. They they could strike up a kind of uh, a good relationship again. Um, and anyway, on a free transfer, he's he's a, I think he was a no-brainer for for a lot of clubs in the Premier League. It's just finances might have played a part. And and he's something that the those two players add that Newcastle needed was a bit of pace and a bit of kind of energy and dynamism going forward. So um, I think I think they're good signings. Well, if we are talking transfers, I think we do have to mention Frank Lampard, don't we, in Chelsea. The £71 million signing of Kai Havertz from Bayer Leverkusen became the Blues' seventh signing of what has been an incredible window for them. He follows forward Timo Werner, midfielder Hakim Ziyech and defenders Xavier Mbuyamba, Malang Saar, Ben Chilwell and Thiago Silva to Stamford Bridge. Having graduated from the Leverkusen Academy, Havertz scored 18 goals in 45 appearances last season, including eight in the 11 games after the campaign restarted. The versatile midfielder, who can play up front as well, has scored once in seven appearances for Germany. Now, Tom, I know you've written about Havertz before. What sort of player are Chelsea getting? Uh, an exceptional talent it, it seems um, what's going to be really fascinating is how and where Lampard decides to use mm. him because speaking to, to people who have worked with him throughout his career he, he's 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 not really sort of a one-player position at all he's he's effective throughout the midfield and um, I spoke to Roberto Hilbert, who who played with him at Bayer Leverkusen, and he described him as a or his talents as that he's got. He's a finisher like Balak, smart like Busquets, and te- technical like Ozil. And Sounds I was, terrible. Then <laughs> I was gonna say as soon as I heard that, I thought, "Blimey, what a player!" Mm. Um, but he's he's got he's he's quick. Um, he was the fastest player in the Leverkusen team. He's a goal scorer. He can play as a false nine. Um, he got, I think he got 10 goals in his last 13 games for Leverkusen. He's got his old coach at Leverkusen. Said that he just never felt pressure on the ball. He just, even if he was surrounded by two or three players, he always felt comfortable with it and, and found a way out. Um, but it seems his, the, the, the general consensus is his best possession, uh, position is is sort of as a number 10, getting in positions to score goals, but also providing them as well. And I think the way it kind of feels is that this is a, this player was one where the opportunity arose and Chelsea took it because it was it's such a rarity. Uh, it's kind of been compared to the Hazard signing of, of 2012. Um and it's been the perfect storm in a way for Chelsea because Real Madrid were interested in him, Bayern Munich were interested in him, but they wanted to wait and Chelsea had the finances to, 
to do it now. It's going to be exciting to see him play, Gregor. I know you've seen him in action as well. So what do the Premier League, in your eyes, have to look forward to it, and Chelsea fans in particular? Yeah, I think um, one of the things is what Tom, Tom's exactly right. It's his versatility. So it is going to be interesting where he plays because uh, I wrote a piece, a kind of bit of a scouting report when the Bundesliga started up again and um, I watched loads of his showreels and stuff. And I, th- I think one of the things I was impressed most with, most with was his um, his timing, the timing of his kind of runs into the box. And not only that, his kind of calmness and in front of goal, he's he's not someone who'll who'll smash the ball home. He'll kind of guide it into into the corner with with either foot, you know, pass them home into the corners. Um, and he's he's also good in the air because he's tall. Uh, and being left-footed too, you know, there's something. I I'm perhaps I'm biased, but I think there's always something about a creative player who's left-footed who's kind of something a little bit alternative. He's he can't obviously play on the right too and drive inside, so that that is another option. Um, but I think he will be a number 10 too. And basically, throughout his career, he's scored or created a goal every two games. So, um, hugely productive and very cool. I think he's, he's, he's been spoken of in Germany as a kind of generational talent and perhaps to, going to be their most important player for the kind of decade to come. So, as Tom said, this opportunity has kind of come to Chelsea at the right time because they, they've not been able to spend any money for the last year. And they sold before that. They sold Hazard and Morata for almost two hundred million pounds. So you know everyone's looking at Chelsea's outlay now and going, "Wow, you know they've they're, they're splashing the cash." They've they've not been able to, and before that, they also brought in a lot of money. And I was also reading that I think in the last last decade, Chelsea have made more money from player sales than any other team in the Premier League. A lot of that's to do with the fact that they've been selling players off their their kind of academy production line, and that's the other thing that's arising out of this. How how is that going to to kind of stunt their growth now? So a lot of interest around Chelsea, I think, in the season to come. So, Tom, big question is, should we be talking about Chelsea's title contenders now? I think it's, I think it's tricky because it, Havertz wasn't a player they necessarily needed in the sense of, of turning you into a title contender. The player or the position that they, they desperately needed was, was at centre back. I think if if they brought say they brought in a Virgil Van Dijk, that's not going to happen. But if they brought in a Virgil Van Dijk, then immediately from this business, you'd be saying yes, Chelsea need to be title contenders now. Because in a similar, in a slightly similar way, it's not not quite the same, but in a slightly similar way to Liverpool, um, they were missing a, a centre back. They needed someone who could bring in surety in that position and. And um, Van Dijk was was that man, and, and Chelsea, it's still a big issue. And they, it's not not it's not that it's a gamble that they brought in Thiago Silva, but it sort of shows the market at the moment that they felt the the way to go is is to bring in someone who's got experience, who still has a point to prove, who's even though he's going to, I think he's going to be thirty six during this season, um, he he's still capable. But he's not proven. He's not at the, at the top of his game anymore. And it, it kind of reminded me, seeing seeing the way Chelsea have bought, um, it reminds me of that Napoli team of a few years ago, I think sort of 2012, 2013, 
um, with Cavani and Co up front, but barely anyone in with ability in in defence being compared to sort of a bodybuilder who skips leg day because they're just so <laughs> top heavy, and, and that feels a, it feels a little bit like Chelsea at the, at the moment. Um, they're they're still going to be vulnerable in defence, um, but it's going to be so exciting to see them up front. Never skip leg day. We all know that. <laughs> Never do that. Just lastly then, before we move on, what do, what do you think about Chelsea coming into this new season, Gregor? Can you see them as a contender to to vie with Man City and Liverpool? I still think it's a you know, 33-point gap to Liverpool, 15 to City, who you would expect to improve. I think as well, there's something about how short this summer has been and the turnover. And, you know, when they've signed, signed quite a few players, I think the DH was injured at Brighton too, so he'll miss the start of the season. Chilwell was injured. Silva's still still in quarantine. So, you know, they've not really had any time yet with these guys. And then there's still the issue with Kepa and Goal. Uh, I'm not entirely sure what system they're going to play and how Kante is going to be involved in that. Still, it's, that's kind of been another bit of a conundrum uh, with Chelsea. So I still think it's a lot, lot to ask, but I don't think it's going to be dull at Stamford Bridge next season. England travel to Denmark tomorrow in the Nations League, but the build-up to the game has been overshadowed by Phil Foden and Mason Greenwood landing themselves in hot water. The pair will be left in Iceland when the England players fly to Denmark today after allegations that they broke COVID-19 rules during international duty this week. The accusation has been made on Icelandic website 433.is, which claims two girls visited the team hotel yesterday. The girls posted their trip via Snapchat, and it is understood that the decision has been taken for Foden and Greenwood to be left behind in Iceland when the squad leaves today on a specially chartered flight because they have broken the biosecure bubble surrounding the England camp and will be dropped for tomorrow's match against Denmark. Now, it's not been made clear how the two players will return to their clubs, with FA staff still wrestling with the logistics. On the Icelandic website, both Foden and Greenwood, who made their senior debuts in Saturday's 1-0 win over Iceland, are pictured in their hotel room. It is alleged that the girls had been in contact with the players for a number of days. Okay, we've got to get into this one, haven't we, really? Could this set their England careers back, Greg, or do you think? Uh, I think the thing we know about Gareth Southgate is that he wants players to be very kind of <laughs> straight down the middle, solid professionals. And, you know, I've said on the podcast before, I think he's kind of some of his reservations about Jack Grealish and, and James Madison have been about the fact that they they possibly didn't quite fit into that mould of, of uh, you know, I'm not saying they're not professional, but they just have a different sort of um, there's a lot of different perception about them, so this undoubtedly will will harm their how how uh, Southgate views them uh, in the short term. Mm. But at the same time, we have to say they're young. Um, you know, the, I don't think we can we can say that and and then just leave it be because we are in a in a different a bit of a different world just now, and it wasn't just daft; it was possibly endangering the kind of health and safety of other people in their camp and possibly the team they're going to play against as well. So, you know, the, these things do have have uh, repercussions, or they can possibly. So, you know, it would be it would have been daft in uh, if this happened a year ago, um, but in the current 
you know in the world we live in with COVID nineteen, it was it was especially stupid. Hmm. And I know you're not making excuses there by bringing up the fact that they're young, Gregor. But Tom, that can't be an excuse, can it? I mean, we've we've been in this situation since March. The players have been in their little bubbles since restart. They knew what they were doing. This can't be excused, can it? No, and I also think this isn't this isn't the first case of of someone breaking the breaking the bubble. You know, even even as well, I thought I thought with Phil Foden, you know, he's been around the Manchester City squad. He he knows Kyle Walker, and he saw what happened with him during the the lockdown. He saw Kyle Walker come out and and say that he'd made mistakes during that time, and that. Um, and, and explained his case, but he, he knew they—they they both both players knew the situation and how important it was. Um, and I think you know we, you're asking Gregor about whether it could be a setback to their careers. And it, it definitely will be because they're not in Copenhagen, you know. So yeah. this is—they've it, just damaged themselves straight away in in that they're not going to be playing for England at a time when there is so much competition for places. And as Gregor rightly said, Gareth Southgate is a man who has a history of being quite brutal, too strong a word, but strong on, on making these decisions. And we've seen even when he was in the under 21, you know, uh, player just being sent off it wasn't you know any indiscretions but Andre Wisdom got sent off playing against Finland in uh, September 2013 Jordan Ide got sent off playing uh, against Switzerland in March 2016 neither of them played under him again because their replacements did so well that they didn't come back into the side and I think he's a he's a hard man to win back over I think you're absolutely right that um Tom Clark, a few weeks ago, had the view that perhaps we should sometimes take away the, the word footballer and, and look upon these guys as, as human, as we did when we talked about what happened with the Aberdeen players a, a few weeks ago. Is that something we should be doing with this situation, Gregor? Is this actually beyond that because of the fact they are in the bubble? Yeah, as I say, it's it's a kind of double whammy. This uh, <laughs> at this in the, in the world we're living in just now. I, look, I, as I say, I wasn't making. I, I'm not saying they're young, and it's an excuse. No, I know you weren't. It's, were. it's a fact. Were. It's a fact that when you're young, you make mistakes, and it's actually a fact that we all make mistakes and throughout our lives. It's whether you kind of mm. learn learn by them. If 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 someone is repeatedly doing something, and look, as I say, this is this is worse because of the world we're living in. But if if they make if they make this mistake, I just hope they'll learn from it. Basically, because you know they've been thrust in their thrust into the into the England setup. They both just made their debuts. Should have been a brilliant time for them. Um, and it's really I, I don't think I think the fact that they're not playing it's just going to be a big story is punishment enough. I don't think you know the, as Tom said, the punishment is that they're not going to be able to add to their caps or to play any part in the next game. And we just hope that obviously they learn from it and, and it doesn't happen again. So England will head to Denmark without Foden and Greenwood, who both featured in that 
drab 1-0 win over Iceland. Raheem Sterling proved to be the match winner in Reykjavik, rolling home a penalty in the 91st minute. But England were fortunate to escape with all three points. Carl Walker had earlier been sent off when he received a second yellow card for a reckless lunge. And Joe Gomez gave away a penalty moments after Sterling's strike, which was then blasted over by Bikir Bjarnason. Tom, England certainly won't be wanting another performance like that one that we saw at the weekend against Iceland. So how is Gareth Southgate going to approach this match against Denmark? Well, um, I, I think the thing is the team selection, when you actually look at the team he picked for that Iceland game, it doesn't, you wouldn't have expected kind of a drab 1-0 win. It's, it's, it's quite exciting, the, the kind of attacking side of things. Um but I, I'd like to see it mixed up and I'd like to see players like Jack Grealish come in. I'd like to see Danny Ings start. I'd like to see, um, you know, Connor Cody playing uh, and quite a few changes because because it wasn't convincing, far from convincing. You want to see a competitive element there. You want to see players kind of, sorry for the cliche, but fighting, you know, fighting for the shirt. And... I think there it is so competitive at the moment in that England squad, and I think there needs to be a bit, a bit of a reaction scene at Denmark. Do you think we're going to see Jack Grealish start, Gregor? I hope so. I really hope so because there's been so much conversation about about him getting this opportunity in the first place, and you want him to actually get the opportunity on the pitch. I'm sure he's been impressing the training and. And you know, it's a usually talented player, um, and he seems like he's up against it. You know the way that Southgate's been speaking about he views him as a as a wide player, and there's the amount of players that he has in competition. But he's a versatile attacking player, Grealish is, and you know he's someone who, if you have him in your team, you can roam and get get the ball anywhere and and be a real threat. So I hope he gets an opportunity. Um, I, I'm not sure whether he will start or not, but. Um, I hope he I hope he at least gets that gets gets an opportunity to, to get some minutes on the pitch. Mm. And what about Calvin Phillips, Tom? I know you're a big fan. Would you like to see him get a chance? <laughs> I, I wax lyrical over him <laughs> last week, didn't I? A little bit. Uh, yeah, I, I, I would. Um, I don't really see a. a um, I don't think Marcelo Bielsa would be happy. Let's put it that way. If he was taken away from his preparations for <laughs> for a, for a week and he doesn't he doesn't get his his first cap, I I think it would be good to give him a try there. It's been the the, the problem position for England for well throughout throughout Southgate's tenure. Really, it's been the the problem position, and it'd be interesting to see how he sort of handles it. Uh, I'd like to see the the changes and and Denmark have uh, they're they're you know they've got some strong attacking players possibly coming up against Christian Eriksen so it, it it'll be interesting to see how he handles that and he's he's already spoken about the way in which just being with England pl- training with the likes of um Jadon Sancho and Raheem Sterling is already sort of preparing him for life in the Premier League and that it's it's kind of it's up a tempo from the, the the championship his time in the championship but he's he's a natural in that position and it, it'd be good to at least have a sense of how he'd fit in calvin phillips does does he strike you as someone gregor that can make it on the international stage yeah i mean it's been quite a rise i, I wrote a piece actually uh i think it was january or february saying that he should 
he should get a, a, a shot because I don't I don't actually personally think it mattered that he was playing in the championship. He was playing in one of the most sort of tactically innovative and uh, progressive teams in the country under under Bielsa. So I think you know it does it will depend upon the formation and the system that that England play his his sort of chances in the future. If they're going to be playing with with one holding midfield midfield player, and I can't see anyone better than than Calvin Phillips out there at the moment. If it's two, then the dynamic changes a little bit. So I think he definitely deserves the opportunity, and I really hope he he kind of builds on the the form he's had in the last couple of years under under Bielsa in the Premier League, and you know Bielsa. And Leeds back in the Premier League is going to be box office stuff, and Phillips will be part of that. So, yeah, uh, definitely deserves a chance. Yeah, well, if he doesn't get that opportunity, of course, and if people haven't seen him play, they will now hopefully get more of an opportunity when when Leeds are now back in the Premier League. And uh, just have to say, we've got uh, news of the first departure of the season. I just want to say I'm handing over the reins for the game podcast to a new co-host, Gregor, someone to work with you. I won't reveal who it is. I'll leave that till Thursday's pod. But I just want to say thank you very much to everybody that's been involved, everybody that's tuned in regularly to listen to us. And obviously, thank you to Gregor. Thank you to you, Tom. Thank you to everybody who's contributed. I've really enjoyed it. And uh, I wish you all the very best for the future. So thank you very much, guys. I'd just like to say that I'm very sad to see you go and ah. I've re- really enjoyed working with this this past year and it's been a strange year yes. you know and kind of we're still doing this remotely and during lockdown in particular when we're all a bit more isolated uh, the sound of your voice down the line twice a week was always very welcome and I'm <laughs> sure I'm sure that the listeners would have felt that way too so um, ah. sad to see you go. You're very kind the strange thing is Gregor obviously I haven't seen you for I don't know how long it's been. But now that you've been up in the Hebrides, et cetera, et cetera, I'm just expecting this sort of long-haired, bearded, <laughs> rugged man that's been in the wilderness. So, and I won't get to see it. I won't get to see it. There you go. But no, it's been an absolute joy, Gregor. Look after your new co-host. He's going to be a hit, I'm sure. But that is it for now on this pod. Thanks to Tom. Thanks to Gregor. Thanks to our producer, Max, as well. He's been a brilliant producer for us, I should say that. Remember to subscribe to The Times and The Sunday Times for award-winning journalism on every platform. It's just a pound a week for an eight-week trial. Search the time subscription for more information Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. 
Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's stamps.com, code PROGRAM.